0: Hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to a letter to my sister podcast. You are in the right place if you were raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So, in here, There will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat sis. Hey, sis. Today we are talking all things careers. And I figured this would be the best time for me to bring this up because it is December, meaning Christmas parties and networking events. And I need you to know how to navigate through these environments so that you know how to put your best foot forward. I don't think that we're always given the advice that's necessary that we need, because a lot of times we go into these situations thinking that this is just a party, this is just an event, but there are always opportunities to network and there are always opportunities in which that we can express to someone what our wishes are in our current workplace. And Sheree is going to absolutely help us navigate through that today because she created this wonderful thing called a playbook. So listen up as we get more into what this playbook is all about. Sheree, thank you so much for coming by a letter to my sister podcast. I am so excited for our discussion today because we are talking about navigating corporate America, networking, and all those wonderful things. And I know that you have a playbook, so let's just hop right into it so you can drop some knowledge on us. How are you today, first of all?
1: I am great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation as well. It's been a moment since we got to talk anyway, so this is just icing on the cake.
0: Yeah, this will just be like old girlfriends catching up about networking, though. (laughs) (laughs) With a specific purpose in mind. I got you. I got you. Exactly. Specific purpose, because we about to get this knowledge from you today. So the first thing that I would like for you to do is guide us through kind of navigating through corporate America or just that whole scene of how we could be successful in this new venture that either some might be in or, or just entering into.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, having been in corporate America for a number of years about, you know, that number, (laughs) um, there's an art to being able to really be your authentic self, but then also still trying to climb that corporate ladder. And Lord knows, in any journey, it is not a straight line. Sometimes you go up, then you zigzag, then you go up again, then you might go down a little bit for whatever reason you know, lately, right now, a lot of people were laid off their jobs in the last 18 months, and then trying to get back into the fix and all of that. And so you really have to know how to read the room, read the people that you're with understanding the culture. And that's the part where they don't give you a handbook on is the culture. And there are many times where I have said, how am I supposed to know what to do or understand the culture when no one gives me a playbook? You know, there are these unwritten rules that you don't know about. And that's the part where, you know, if you're not intuitive or not necessarily in tune because you're on your grind trying to get your job done, trying to do what you're supposed to be doing to get ahead of what they tell you, you miss some of those subtle clues of what people don't tell you. Or if you don't have that mentor or that sponsor or that champion that's out there helping you, looking out for your best interest, did did you see how that worked? And you're like, no, I was say in my project and kept moving. You know, there's just so many subtleties that you don't know in the culture that you're in. And like I said, my background is corporate America, but this applies to any industry that you're in, whether it's education, whether it's the military, whether it's sports, you know, some of these rules apply. And so when I was thinking about how to coach and mentor some younger women who would ask me questions all the time, what am I asked all the time? And it's like, how did you know that was going to happen? Or how, how did you play it so cool? Like I'd have been all upset and all, you know, and I'm like, I've done that. (laughs) It didn't work so well. So you had to find a new way of sharing what you thought. And so when I put it all together, I just came up with the office politics playbook because I thought about all of the scenarios that I've found myself in over the years And I had to go back and really think about, okay, what worked, what didn't, the why of each question, and then how can I share that knowledge with other young African-American females? Um, And this applies to anyone, but I know who I'm speaking to specifically because there's a different set of rules depending upon if you're male or female, depending upon if you're a person of color, what color, whatever color or not, you know, there's just all kinds of rules. There's rules around if you are abled versus disabled, you know, needing physical access and um, assistance to get around. There's all kinds of things that people don't even think about, but there's biases. And I'm sure you've heard of unconscious bias, but you don't even realize that you have a bias until it's pointed out to you. There's all kinds of things like that. And so the playbook is about how to deal with the politics that you will face every day in your office. But trust me when it's applicable at home too.
0: This is about to be a good one. (laughs) This is about to be good already. Okay, so office, politics, playbook. I think the first point that I wanna go back to that you talked about was the importance of reading the room and understanding the culture. Because I think sometimes we can go into a place with all of our thoughts and ideas of how something is supposed to work. But if we don't check the temperature or the pulse of the room or the culture, our good ideas could truly fall on deaf ears if we are not in tune to how the politics of it all work. And something that comes immediately to mind is a fresh lawyer, <laughs> I, I can't think of the term to call them, but like a lawyer that's in their first year, they don't get the big cases, they get the small ones. And then if they have this idea of how something is supposed to work, they may or may not be heard because it's like, well, you don't have the experience. So what makes you think that you can come in here and offer this type of idea or this type of suggestion? So is is that something, too, that you kind of mentor or teach or discuss in the playbook?
1: Um, A little bit. So once again, experience is experience, period. And so a lot of times when, and even with myself, as I was coming through the ranks, I had to figure out what experience did I have that directly related to what the challenge is? And did I provide a solution in that situation? And if I did, can that solution or something similar be applied to the situation that faces me in front of me right now on the job, whatever it is. So, and I mean, honestly, my whole career, I've been serving in other capacities in a volunteer basis. And I was always very strategic in how I volunteered and what positions I took up when I volunteered. Because I took scenarios that I didn't have experience in on the job so I could learn how to do it. Like I started my career in sales and well, actually I started my career in operations at a hotel and the director of sales and I um, got into an argument about he wanted to be able to tell his guests that he was selling this business to that they could check in to the hotel at noon. And it was a large party. And I said to him, they can't check in at noon because our housekeepers aren't going to have the rooms ready in time. That's why we have check in at three o'clock. Well, it's a wedding and the bride needs to get there. And I'm like, that doesn't work. And so the bottom line in that conversation was, you'll never be a good salesperson because you don't understand how to sell. Excuse me? You're I, No. Let me, let, let, let me go back. You said I'm not going to be a good salesperson. So then I became a salesperson because I knew that how to sell is about understanding your client's pain points, understanding the service or product that you provide and how it can solve their problem or help them reach an aspiration, your client, an aspiration that they want to reach. And so because selling is not just about a widget and it does this or it does that, but if I can solve your problem or help you reach to your next aspiration, that's how I'm going to be successful in sales by helping my client. And so I knew that from the experience that I had. Another example is I would volunteer for one of my industry organizations because you always want to join another, um, an industry organization that you can be a volunteer in. But you can also learn because quite honestly, we need volunteers. And even if you make a mistake, you're not going to get fired. So because it's a volunteer role, no one's paying you. So that's the best way to gain experience. So I wanted to then stop being the salesperson and become a client. So what I did in my organization was that I planned all of our educational conferences for our members. I didn't have experience in it, but I knew as a member what I wanted to learn. So then when I would go out and um, set up all of our networking events or set up all of our educational sessions where we could get continuing education credit for, that was my experience that helped me get my next job as director of events for the YMCA of the USA. And so once again, you have to go back into your toolbox and understand, here's the situation. I had something similar happen in another job or another circumstance that wasn't on my resume, but I can apply that same scenario. And when you offer that idea, you offer just enough so that whoever the person is telling you, Oh, you don't have the experience. Well, wait, tell me more. And you're like, yes, I can tell you more, but why don't we start working together on this project and give me that project to help you out in? and then let's see how it goes. The other side of that coin is you also have to have a mentor or a more so a sponsor because there's a difference between mentors and sponsors. A mentor is someone who's going to help you. You know, That's someone that you go back and go, this happened. I don't understand why it happened. Well, maybe you can do this. Maybe you can do that. They'll give you ideas and suggestions as opposed to a sponsor who is going to invest in you and your career and who is going to be that bridge between that next opportunity that they may hear about and will put your name up in the room. I don't know if you've ever heard about the true test of, how people think about you, what they feel about you is what they say about you when you're not in the room. And Mm -hmm. that's really key. And a sponsor is someone who's going to talk you up, promote you, um, promote who you are to those that are making decisions about promotions, about new opportunities. They will reach to their network to then say, hey, I've got someone that's looking for this, that, and the other. Do you have anything available that can you know we can help them get to the next level? And they're in. They have taken an investment of their time and their talent and their reputation to support you. And when you can get two or three key sponsors, that's really going to help you move into that next role or get that next project. To your example of a lawyer and a case that they're being told they don't have experience for, your sponsor could step in and say, "You know what? Give them a shot. Give her a shot."
0: Wow, you just hit me with four solid points and now I must go back. Oh. <laughs> happy
1: to help, happy to help.
0: I must go back. So the first one where you talked about volunteer for positions that you have no experience in, that is such a great idea and out the box thinking because so often the thing that I'm constantly seeing people say is, well, they won't hire me for this job because I don't have the experience. I've got the degree. How am I supposed to get the experience if you won't let me get the job? How in the world am I supposed to do this? And you just gave us a key component, which was volunteer, because you're right. People take volunteers all day, every day. It's free labor. You can't get fired. I mean, they could ask you to leave, but I mean, that's not going on your resume. So you can't get fired from it but you're still gaining this experience you need.
1: Yes. And it can go on your resume. I want to, I want to, absolutely. There's a whole section underneath your experience level, you know, um, about school. And then there should be another experience about other opportunities, honors, awards, whatever. I'd have to pull my resume out to see it. I don't even know where it is right now, but that's where you can talk about the extra experience. And then I know that right now in resume world, it's not so much just about listing your jobs, but it's listing what you did in those positions. And in my resume, personally, I was on the board of uh, a local Chicago chapter of a national organization. And we were the largest chapter. We had over a thousand members in our chapter for the city of Chicago. And I served as a board of director for two years. I actually co-created a conference, a whole women's leadership conference, and I served as vice president of education and vice president of membership. You don't think I put that on my resume? Absolutely. And I put it in the professional <laughs> experience section where it talked about leadership qualities and, you know, different industries that I have worked in, and that's association management. It talked about, you know, I've led a team and leading a group of volunteers is like herding cats. That's harder than being a manager with paid employees, because you have to speak to the mind and heart of someone to get them to do something, especially if it's something that they don't want to do. So that is right up in my experience. And I listed it as meeting professionals international. And I put in parentheses, I think volunteer leadership or something like that. So you can put those experiences on your resume. And I just wanted to jump in and say, Oh, no, no, yes, you can. (laughs) You know, especially if you were good at it. And it's all about showing what the impact was that you held in your role. And that's for any role that you put on your resume, your professional or, you know, professional role that you were paid for or a volunteer role. If you created impact, like when I was VP of education, we had a higher yield of buyers or clients that came to our education events than suppliers or vendors. And the key to that is if more buyers are coming, more vendors are going to come because they want to be in network and network with the buyers. And so that means if our average attendance is 75 to 100 at a meeting, and at every meeting we hit 120 to 150, that's impact on the bottom line for that organization's revenues. Anybody wants to see that.
0: Yeah, that's good. And another thing that I think about too, because you mentioned joining an industry organization, but also even social organizations. So just even doing some forward thinking, if you know that there's a particular position that you want, these social organizations don't require you to have experience. And half the time, they'll give you what what I call a left seat, right seat. So the person that's in the seat will train you for what needs to happen as you take over, then you can still reach back out to them to say, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And so it goes back to when you're talking about that mentor, you have someone to help you to go from one point to the next. You're still getting the experience. And as you just stated, you can still put all of this on your resume. So even though it's I guess, maybe unconventional per se, you can still loop it around to say, but I do have the experience you're looking for. I just didn't have it at this place of employment, but I definitely got the experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in some of your volunteer organizations. I believe that we're both members of um, sororities and the Divine Nine. And Mm -hmm. I got a lot of experience from there. And it was vice versa where I was able to yield my expertise in destination management and meeting planning and conference and event strategy to my sorority and served on a national task force and worked with our senior leadership and doing all these things. And I actually helped form the initial blueprint of how my organization changed its meeting pattern. It was like a week long conference and we were able to condense it into four days.
0: Okay. Yeah. And now, not only that, now you're saving people money.
1: <laughs> hey!
0: <laughs> so now that's another uh, another bottom dollar. But yes, definitely. Sororities, fraternities, they are a great place. Because let me tell you, if I was not in my... The, the way I can run a meeting right now at work, listen, we're, we're not having one and two hour meetings Amen. We're not, and and I will tell them, you know, just straight off the top, if we are in here over one hour, we're talking too much, and we're just going in circles, and you're only allowed to do one piggyback, okay? We don't want to piggyback on the piggyback Girl. on the piggyback. If <laughs> if everybody agrees, we will not be adding any extra commentary. I only want to hear from the one that disagrees. Exactly. So we can That's get them it. back
1: on the piggyback too.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. But we're not, y'all not going to piggyback me to death. Not today.
1: <laughs> right. And they will do it.
0: Yes. Be, and and I realized too, it's just that some people just love to talk. They love to talk. And I'm like, well, that's great. But we're just not going to do that during this meeting. Because who's taking all these notes? It's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Well, see, that's so for the meeting after exactly. the
1: meeting. See, the meeting after the meeting, y'all talk all y'all want to. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Y'all do that on your own time when we don't have a timekeeper in place. Amen. And then the last part, because this, now this one is new to me, where you use the term sponsor. Mm -hmm. Because I'm used to hearing mentor. I'm used to maybe even hearing um, a coach. Yes. A mentor versus a coach. But now you've thrown a new one in on me and said a sponsor. Which, again, though, I completely get and I find interesting because now... To me, the way that you spin it, a mentor could be someone who is not in your industry. They may not even be in your job, but they can explain to you how to best navigate from one place to the next, whereas your sponsor is there at the job, where maybe I'm assuming they're probably someone who has some seniority, somebody that's been in the company for a while, who can not only show you the ropes in that somewhat mentor aspect, but also speak to your positive attributes and contributions and things that you can do to give you the shot and the opportunity to even get your foot in the door.
1: Yes, so there in the playbook, I talk about three different levels of mentoring and about partnership. That's one of the um, six Ps that I have in the Office Politics Playbook, and it's about partnership and who are your partners. And so a mentor acts as an advisor. They're kind of a silent advisor. They're kind of, you know, not on the same level, maybe one or two levels above you. But that's someone who will take you by the hand and someone you can go to. Why did this happen? Once again, how am I supposed to play the game if you don't give me the playbook? And you can ask those questions. That's someone that you can reach relatively easy. And really, there's either affinity or social proximity in terms of they're easy for you to get in touch with. A sponsor, on the other hand, is someone who's going to push you forward in your career ambitions. And they're gonna really look at you and say, I'm gonna push you out. I'm your eyes and ears when you're not in the room. I'm gonna tell you what's up. I'm gonna make sure you receive credit for what you've done. That person, your example about you're a young lawyer and you wanna take on a case. Hey, you know what? I think that they can do it because of X, Y, and Z. And this person wants to see you succeed and will also, though, because they still work with you or have some kind of relationship where they can see you at work, they can give you feedback on what you're doing, how you're doing it. Or they've received feedback from others and they will share it with you in an effort to help you strengthen your game a little better. And then there are champions. The champions are the ones where you may not you know, meet them. You may not work with them directly. However, you've been in their orbit in some way, shape or capacity, and they see something in you. And they're like, you know what, that's someone that's going to go somewhere and I'm going to help them. You cannot mentors. You can find mentors. You can say, Hey, would you mind helping me out or being a mentor for me or that kind of thing? A champion? Mm Mm-mm champions find who they want to champion. You can't go to someone's that, yeah, I can't go to Ken Chenault, who used to be the CEO of American Express, or Carla um, Harris, who used to be the CEO of Xerox, or Vice President Kamala Harris and say, hey, can you be my champion? First of all, I don't even know how I'm going to get to her. Let's (laughs) let's talk about that first. (laughs) But a champion will find you, and it could be a random experience. Think about the industry organizations that we talked about that you can volunteer for. Like one of the industry organizations that's really helpful that I think many young, especially African American folks are aware of is the National Black MBA Association, especially if you're getting an MBA. If you look at who's on their speaker roster and say, Oh my God, I could get in the room with Jay-Z, because they're because you know, Jay-Z, we may know him as a rapper, but Jay-Z has a whole business portfolio that is amazing he owns sports teams he's got you know some kind of beverage he's you know beat and then dr dre beats by dre that's a whole business even brandy's brother ray j i forget what his business is but it's some kind of business where he started it from the ground up and kept going mc hammer has a whole internet company or something so when you look at the proximity and this is where your volunteering comes in because suppose you could be part of the volunteer group that's helping usher the keynote speakers onto the stage. And you get to walk in Carla Harris, or you get to walk in whoever it is and they see you and say, tell me about yourself. I had an opportunity to meet Dr. Dorothy height before she passed. And we actually sat next to each other having a conversation. And she said, here's my information. Call me when you're ready to have this conversation. I'm like, that's I just oh my God. And they're like, okay, calm down a little bit. Let's what she say to you. You know what I mean? That kind of, mm-hmm. op- and that champion, they have so much reach and so much breadth. I have a friend who I've known for years who is now a champion. He was on the board of directors when I worked at the YMCA of the USA. And that's a huge board profile position where he was able to help me navigate some of the politics that I ran into and ran interference for me once. That's a big deal when a champion does that for you because your CEO or your senior vice president or general counsel is going to look at you differently when their board person says, you need to do X, Y, and Z. But that's the key about you. If you have the opportunity to have someone like that champion for you, that's amazing because that can open so many doors.
0: Ooh, Okay. So let's stay on this champion one for a minute because- even thinking back on some opportunities that I've had, I know that I have uh, royally <laughs> messed up some opportunities. <laughs> with that, you're not alone. So when a champion comes to you and they, it's clear clearly they see your potential because they said, "Call me." How does one prepare for that call? Because I would imagine, number one, you don't wait. for an exorbitant amount of time to call them. And then two, you don't just call them like a, oh, hey, what's up? Like you need to have some things in place. I feel like you almost need to give yourself a pep talk or at least know where you want to go within the organization. Maybe some positions that you want, some experience that you, to me, you need to have a whole resume in mind when someone like this says, call me.
1: Absolutely. What I would say is, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, to, to this person who is trying to get themselves ready for a con- phone call or a conversation with a potential champion, what question, if you could ask anybody anything, what questions are they? Or like, what, what, you know, what do you want to know? What would you like to get this person's perspective on? Or if there's something that you want their help with specifically, but it's got, you've got to be specific and you have to be succinct. In your ask, which means you have to be very clear upfront about what you are looking for and be able to articulate it quickly, professionally, and then wait for their answer. Don't just, well, you know, I was kind of thinking, and maybe um, you you just lost your champion opportunity right there. You just lost it because if you're not prepared, they your champion does not have a lot of time, and they are giving you a half an hour. So. My, um, old boss at the YMCA was the general counsel. Her name is Angela Williams. She is amazing. And she's so smart. Oh my God. She's so smart. And when she hired me, I was like, oh my God, this isn't me. And I didn't even know how amazing she was until I went to work there. I just thought she was on the ball, a sister, really cool. And then I went to work for her and said, man, I want to be smart like you when I grow up. And she said, you already are like, Thanks. But here's the thing. She then, when she left the Y, she became CEO of the Easter Seals organization, the national body of Easter Seals. And um, when I left the Y, she was still, you know, we were still in contact. We had developed a very good working relationship. And it was one of those, we would be friends, but I worked for her. Like now we're friends, if that makes sense. But at the time, you know, we were very good I was very respectful of her being my boss. She was very respectful for me and the talent that I brought to the table. And we had a very good working relationship. Like I said, that could be friends once we weren't working together. That's a whole different topic of conversation we can go into. But when I found myself looking for a new job, it took me three tries and three appointments through her assistant to get set up for a phone conversation. And I had 30 minutes. Once that, once we got that, cause I reached out to her via email. Cause it had been a couple of years since I'd spoken to her and or on LinkedIn. And she said, absolutely. Call my assistant. Here's her number. Called her assistant, got the appointment set up. When I had those 30 minutes, my goal was a, can I use you as a reference still B here's what I've been doing and C here's my business idea. I would love to know your feedback on it for my own business. And that 30 minutes was robust with the information that she gave me. But I had my three questions lined up of what I needed from her. Now, let me tell you that my champion just was named the international president of the United Way International. I'm like, I'm so excited for her. She will knock it out of the park. This is a really big deal. She's an African-American woman who's about to run the United Way International Organization, all countries, all around the globe. It's amazing. I know that person. I have her cell phone number. I can reach out to her. It's so exciting. But that's what a mm-hmm. champion does and what a champion can do for you. So you do not You do want to be prepared. And as long as you can speak succinctly and clearly about what it is that you're looking for, they will give you the time of day, any day of the week. And, and be excited to help you in the process.
0: All right, so now I have two follow-up questions with that. Now, we talk a lot about speaking. What do you think the importance is of going to like a Toastmasters or something of that nature to be able to articulate and practice Speaking, like, do you think any of that is necessary?
1: I think it's very helpful if you don't already have a gift for gab and are able to articulate clearly. When you find yourself saying, well, um, well, and your good friends will be like, girl, spit it out already. What, you know, (laughs) that is Mm -hmm. a situation where, yes, Toastmasters would, would work well for you. I have a lot of friends that have done Toastmasters and it has helped them a lot in their speaking public speaking even now you know i use um sometimes which you're not supposed to do they teach you how not to do it in toastmasters because that's just um is a way of processing quickly and giving yourself space to process to then say the next word and they teach you other ways to not do that and to still be very clear in your conversation does everyone have to do Toastmasters? Eh. You know, it's what's comfortable for you. There are, all, there are other organizations that you can utilize that. For me, I have been precocious since I was able to talk at two or three. <laughs> so I have learned how to speak and I have learned how to speak in different environments. So I never did the Toastmasters route, but that's just me. I highly recommend it. If A, you're nervous to get up in front of people to speak, B, you don't know what to say or can't keep your train of thought there because of your nervousness, because you practice makes better. I don't, you know, the word, the saying is practice makes perfect. Are any of us really perfect? But practice does make you better. Repetition, consistency. And that's what Toastmasters teaches you. Okay.
0: Okay. That's good. And so now my next point on the opposite end of the spectrum is you brought up LinkedIn. So in this area of social media that we're in, how important is it to have a LinkedIn account to kind of assist with networking or or this office politics playbook?
1: It's extremely important. LinkedIn is the number one vehicle that recruiters use that presidents or, or that next boss that you may have, they're going to look at your LinkedIn profile after they get your resume. First of all, they're going to get your application. Most applications now are sent electronically along with your resume. And so LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to add more details or, information about you that you can't fit on one page or two page of a resume. LinkedIn lets you show more of your personality. I actually have a um, coach that we used to talk about how you can up your LinkedIn profile to make it more vibrant, to make it more you, whoever you are, and to show off your personality a little bit more. Um, And it lets you add details that you can't fit into that one page sheet of a resume because technically your resume is supposed to be one page, no more than two. And if you've been around the block for a while, or you've done a lot of different things, you don't want to put the same thing. Like you had job X and you did ABC and then you had job Y, which was, you know, another version of job X and you did ABC. Well, you're showing me the same stuff on here. So your resume has to be interesting enough that a recruiter or you know the hiring manager they give a resume 3 to 5 seconds is my understanding now of how quickly if if you don't catch their attention in like 3 to 5 seconds whoosh, goes in the circular file and they're on to the next one and so but if you do catch their attention the next place that recruiter is going to look you up is on linkedin and so that's where you need to go it, unless it's a creative type of role where you need to have an online portfolio of your, your work, your art, your writing, whatever, and you put a URL for your website, they might click that second. But you need to have that on your LinkedIn as well, because nine, times out of 10, they're going to press LinkedIn. So yes, having LinkedIn is really important and nurturing your contacts on there is also key because that's online networking. That is so networking is the key. How you network, that's up to you. But if you have the dexterity and the flexibility to be able to talk to someone directly one-on-one, and in the last 18 months, it's been hard to get into in-person, face-to-face, real conversations. And do you really want to? But once again, another topic for another day. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is the next best way. I know I've applied for jobs, and I went up and looked at the company to see who I might know or who I might be one degree connected to. And I will send them a LinkedIn request and you get like 300 characters to put a little note with your LinkedIn request. When you're making the request through your computer, you don't have the option when you try and connect with someone on your mobile device. FYI, tip tip for anybody who needs to know that. When you hit connect, you don't get the opportunity to send a note. When you hit connect from your computer, you have an opportunity to send a 300 character note with it. And I got my request down to five minutes hi, I'm applying at a job with company X and I see that you're in this role. I would love to get an idea about the culture and fit and see if I might be a good fit for them. I will tell you that I had like about a 95% rate of people who connected back to me, had really good conversations with a couple of folks in this particular um, search and got to the third interview. And then, you know, I just wasn't the right fit or they had a better fit for the role. And that was okay. I learned so much. And now I have two other contacts for life that I can talk to and we can share information. So yes, LinkedIn is important.
0: And I think that point that you made is key because honestly, I think that was a big part in how I got into my current position. Although it wasn't on LinkedIn, we have a system that's something very similar to LinkedIn and where you get the person's contact number or information who's in the current role so I I reached out to them. I asked them, "Hey, how do you like this role that you're in? What are some challenges that you've had? What are some of the experiences that you have that you have gained?" So then, as I was speaking to them, not only that they would then tell the hey, I spoke to so and so. They reached out. They asked me some great questions about the position. And then when I when it was actually time for me to interview, I was able to take the conversation that I got from the person in the position and apply it. So some of those challenges they said that they had, of course, they asked me, well, what would you do? And I was actually able to speak to that because now I have gained the knowledge from taking the time to speak out to them beforehand and actually maybe research some information. Because I find sometimes people don't even research the companies <laughs> that they're applying to. Like You, you have to know the mission and, and whatever their values or their core beliefs are so that you can kind of fall in line to make sure that you are truly indeed a good fit because maybe you don't like them once you kind of learn everything and you're like, okay, well, well, this doesn't quite align well with me.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So then another question that I was thinking about is as of late, you know, one of the hot topics has been DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So how would this fall into play from a playbook or office politics standpoint where as far as where that's
1: concerned? So, you know, we 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 jumped right in and so into our conversation, which has been great. It's been so much fun. Um <laughs> And where DEI fits in is where you want it to fit in, is to be really honest. And so the tenets of the office, politic play, office politics playbook excuse me, are around purpose, knowing your why, professional persona, how are you going to show up every day in your professional role, and being a private investigator, which we talked about earlier, the lay of the land, getting the lay of the land, knowing who the power brokers are. And then the next one is about participating, networking, you know, what's your water cooler pitch? What are the things that you can talk about? And then it's around positioning, which is respect my space and respect my boundaries. And then the last building block of the playbook is partnership, which we've talked about in great detail, mentors, sponsors, and champions. So where does DEI fit in all of that? It fits in any of those building blocks, but I would say the biggest part of it is knowing your why, what, what is it that drives you and what is it that motivates you? And then knowing your professional persona, how you show up every day and to make sure that you show up consistently every day. And then also about respecting my space and respecting my boundaries. I think those are the three places where DEI will really show up because the, the diversity of it all is who are you? And, or who you are, I guess you could say, and that having people respect who you are, does that mean that we're going to come in fighting every day? No. Does that mean we're always going to, we're always going to agree every day? Absolutely not. However, if I respect your space and your boundary and you respect my space and my boundaries, no matter what I look like, where I'm from, what faith I practice, what my sexual orientation or preferences are. All of that is about is around the equity and the inclusion part of it. And so as long as we can maintain that professional persona and be professionals with one another and still make sure that there's access to the same resources, access to the same person, that's where DEI fits in. And when you run into organizations or organizational structures where there's a clear have and have not, can and can't, um, no, no, X allowed here, whether it's written or unwritten. That's where you went into a problem, and where you have to make your case, determine if this is an environment that you want to be in, and keep up your professionality in everything as you decide what your next move is. I hope that answers your question.
0: That absolutely did answer my question. So, now again. You brought up two more points. (laughs) No worries. Two more points. Then after this, I will let you go. Um, So one of the points that you made up was about your your water cooler pitch. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Because, of course, when you say water cooler pitch, I'm also thinking about like your 15, 30 second elevator pitch where you just have this small amount of time that you can talk with someone to... Either tell them, I'm, I'm assuming some your aspirations or maybe something that you're trying to go after or some opportunities that you're looking for. So how does one go about being prepared or pitching
1: this, this water cooler pitch? So your water cooler pitch and your elevator pitch is different. Let's talk about the scenarios of each. Your elevator pitch is you literally have a moment Use the champion example that we talked about before, where I had, you know, a minute or two sitting next to Dorothy Height to talk to her and say, what was your life like or whatever, and talk about her. Your elevator pitch is your opportunity to promote something, find out about that person and make a connection that you can then build off of. And it's maybe someone that you haven't seen before, or it's like not your boss, but your boss's boss's boss that you want to make a good impression on. OK, your okay. water cooler pitch, that's different. That's where if you know, maybe showing my age, but when you go to the office and everybody congregates around the water cooler and talks about their weekend or talks about the sports coming up that weekend or talks about what's going on with the kids, your water cooler pitch is very important. I will admit I am an extrovert. I am a networker. I know you didn't figure that out at all, but, <laughs> you know, I can talk to anybody about anybody about anything. And I've been able to do this since I was four year old, four, four years old, excuse me, traveling on a plane by myself to, from my parents would put me in the plane with the flight attendant. Everybody knew who I was, had a little badge on, you know, child traveling alone. I don't know if that's a good idea, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, um, I did the same thing. Right. And then when I got <laughs> to my grandmother's house or when I got to my grandmother's city, They would escort me off the plane, take me to my grandmother, and I'd go see my my relatives for the summer. So the water cooler pitch, though, is around what are safe topics. In my experience, being authentic and walking in integrity doesn't mean you have to tell all your business. I've been in situations where people have used what I've shared with them in a negative manner. And so, and tried to use it against me or to harm me or my professional reputation. And so what I learned and what I had a mentor and really she's a friend, but she was a mentor because she was a little older than I was and even had more experience than I did. You have to determine what are your safe topics to talk about. So in that example, For her, her water cooler pitch was talking about her daughter. You know, she loved her daughter. Her daughter was a rock star or is a rock star. Let me rephrase. And it was always interesting to hear what we'll call her Tiffany was up to each week. Tiffany played professional volleyball uh, or not. Well, professional in school, whatever that's called. But, you know, she was on the volleyball team. She got straight A's. She got numerous scholarships to college. She's ended up going to college um, in Atlanta. I want to say Emory. Then she's now in med school at Mahari, I think. I'm not sure. But anyway, she's done all those things. But what her safe topic to talk about was, was her kid. Because there were so many other people in our office or in our organization that had kids. So we could just talk about the kids, the good things they did, the bad things that they did, all of these different things. That was her water cooler pitch. And that's where I learned that from. Because what she wasn't going to talk about is she had a fight with her husband. Or what she wasn't going to talk about was, you know, there was some crazy stuff in her neighborhood that was happening that she was concerned about. Because they don't need to know where I live and they, in her mind. They don't need to know where I live and they don't need to know anything about that side my life but i had to have a topic where i can network with people people can feel that they know me but and and i want them to know me but they only get to know this side they don't need to know all the rest of the stuff like my you know my 89 year old mother has dementia and i'm caretaking for her they don't need to know that Mm -hmm. and so that's where i really learned and formulated in my head What is my water cooler pitch? What are the safe topics that I can talk about from day to day so that I can still have conversation and be in network with people in other departments that I might not work with, but then it gives me a foothold. So if I need something from accounting, I can go talk to them because I have someone that can help me lead me to the right person. So, you know, one of the other things that we did together was (laughs) there was a fantasy football league in our office, office pool, you know, the football pool or whatever. I knew enough about football to know like when they made a touchdown and what a field goal was and all of that jazz. She knew about the same, but we said, you know what? This would be a great way for us to network with other people that we never have the opportunity to network with and to hang out. Trust me when I tell you that we – had a lot of fun and we were laughed at and with a lot our first season (laughs) in the football league because we did not know what we were doing the key was Mm -hmm. though is that I have a best 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 girlfriend who can quote any sports stat with any of the boys and she had her husband so they were like the general managers and we were the coaches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so every week we would talk to them, like when the draft came, Oh my God, it was so funny. Cause we're like, well, should we get him? Or, what about him? Or, what about him? They were both like, y'all better do well. Now the key of it was everybody knew we didn't know what we were doing. We actually drafted a great team and we came in third in the league for that season. And everyone was like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. But that provided great water cooler talk for like a whole season of football. And we learned a lot. So that's, I hope that helps understand what the water cooler pitch is. You have to have safe topics that you can talk about and not put all your business out in the street, especially at work, because people can use it against you. And I learned that the hard way. And so that's one of the big things that I talk about with other colleagues. And the other thing that you don't want to talk about is any troubles that you're having with other people in your office or in your, that those are trusted conversations with mentors and sponsors and outside help, if you get it, I had a coach. I was able to work with my coach and we were able to come up with things for you know when, when times in the office were challenging.
0: Thank you for that distinction. It's, it's not even something that I ever thought to consider, but that's actually a really good point because also what it seems like to me is that a water cooler pitch in a subtle way allows you to make connection with your coworkers whereas your elevator pitch is you're pitching to you're pitching yourself to somebody else to say hey this is what I can do for the organization but both of which are completely essential for you to do inside the workplace so thank you for that distinction cuz it's it's not even something that I had ever taken the time to consider to consider before although you know of course we know that okay don't bring this up don't bring that up you don't want to be like the work gossip but that's definitely um, a good point that you made to to make the distinction between the two.
1: What you do is you let other people be the word gossip, because you know there are some folk who will tell all their business and everybody else's business, <laughs> right? And that's where you learn. That's that's just where you learn. Another one, other quick example, in my last role that I was in, there was a group of women who watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette all the time. And they had lunch every Tuesday after The Bachelor was on Monday to discuss who got kicked off, who didn't get a rose, who didn't do whatever. Let me just tell you, I had no time for The Bachelor. I wasn't interested. It wasn't my kind of people. That was not my thing. However, there was one season with one bachelorette that she actually entered into my orbit in terms of knowing what was going on in the conversation because she was a pretty lively person and just was, had personality in the bachelorette. And so one day I came over to the group and said, Hey, you know, who is this chick? So-and-so and such and such. And then I realized I look, I, this is strategy. I looked at everybody who was in that little bachelor watching crew. And it was a representative from each department on our team that I wasn't in. And I said, Hmm, this could be interesting. So I actually watched one of the episodes and then I came back and said, I have so many questions. Can y'all help me? Well, you know, when you ask people for their help because they're an expert, they want to share. So they shared all the stuff and I got sucked in. Now, once again, I'm not a Bachelor fan and they knew They knew very clear. I said, but this person hooked me up, so I'm in. And they teased me. You want to come in on the show on the second to the last episode before we find out who she picks. Hey, I'm here. Work with me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so what what's key about that is that I walked into a whole new networking group. And so then when times were a little iffy in our little startup, I mean we had like 30 people, but it was a startup division of a corporation that I worked for, we all compared notes because how much you knew depended on who your boss was and how willing they were how open and honest they were in the situation. And so between knowing how all that worked if any of those people hear this podcast, I'm gonna get killed, but that's beside the point um, <laughs> I mean and and a couple of them kind of knew but um, but what was interesting was all the people we were all able to share information so that we could piece together what was happening between this person, this person, this person and their knowledge from what their team was hearing we were all able to piece together what happened and we were i would say we were 85 to 90 percent spot on with what eventually happened with the startup so i share that story because otherwise i wouldn't have had these girls to talk to and my role as a salesperson i was the only person at the headquarters all the other salespeople were dispersed in the country so I didn't have that tight crew. I could only talk to them virtually. And I re- I'll never forget my boss said, you are in headquarters and you know nothing. I need you to step up your game. Okay. Hadn't really thought about that. But he was absolutely right. I'm the only one at headquarters and I could learn so much and I just didn't. So that was slap on the hand on my part where I had to refine my politics and how I was working to make sure I could get through and understand what was happening. That was just another example.
0: That's good. Again, it's all about creating the connection. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is the last question that I had. Well, second to last. Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> and this is this is about boundaries because I was I was having a discussion with one of my family members, and we were talking about, especially as being a person of color you really try to put your best foot forward. You, you, you stay late sometimes. You read the extra emails and then someone dangles a carrot of promotion in your face and they say, hey, we're thinking about considering you for this next position. And then you automatically jump into doing the work for the next position, but you're not getting paid. So then you go back and you're like, hey, we talked about this promotion. And they're like, okay, well- not this month, but maybe next month, but yet you've already taken on the roles and responsibilities of this new this new job, this new this this newfound promotion. So how does one create proper boundaries, even from not getting sucked in to, you know, working your particular hours, or even when someone does bring up the thought or idea of a promotion? the proper way for you to move forward in execution of that?
1: That is a great question. What I would say first, if you're able to, is around setting up expectations. In my various roles, half of my working hours were spent managing the expectations of others, whether they were clients, whether they were my boss, whether they were the operations people to know Sheree, we got to have an answer because we can't start the work until we do X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, I'm getting them as fast as I can. What's the drop dead date where I have to say, you, we won't be able to service you. if, you know, We won't be able to handle your business if you can't let us know by this time. You've got to manage expectations. So in that instance where they're dangling this carrot of a promotion, you ask the questions really tell me more about the role or tell me more about when you plan to make a decision and how you will make a decision and let them set up what the expectations are. And then you hold them to it. That's number one. Number two, my opinion, I'm not going to do the work for a job that I don't have yet, but that's me. And that's, me after a number of years in business where I feel comfortable enough to say that. So I want to make that distinction starting out. And I'm trying to think back to when I first, you know, was getting into the workforce, the roles that I had, you couldn't just take on extra qualities or extra um, duties and still do your job well. Once again, I was in the hotel field, and there were very distinct roles and things like that. Um, and if you make it clear that you want to be considered for the job, you ask the que- once again you ask the questions: Is anyone else being considered for the job? Are you asking me to do these roles as a way of grooming me to do this job? You know, let let's talk about what your plan is. And and you have setting up boundaries means you have to set them up up front. And then a way to get out of it, if you were sucked in, to your point, and then can't get out of it is, you know what, John, I don't feel that, or Bob or Sally or whoever, I don't feel that I'm doing my role justice and I don't want my responsibilities to fall through as I'm doing this other job. So I'm going to have to step back until you decide what you want to do. And I'm sure you can find someone else to do it. Risky? Maybe. But you want to make sure that you're doing your job well because that's what you're getting paid for. And that's what you're being evaluated on at your review. And so you can graciously step back. And then if this, oh, but we really need you, it's like, well, we're really gonna to have to discuss, you know, how we can make more time and the compensation for it. Because, you know, and, and you leave it. One thing about negotiation, because I negotiated a lot as a salesperson negotiated contracts and then also as an event manager I negotiated contracts as the client as opposed to the provider of the service or venue. You have to be persistent but then you also stand in your truth and then you also have to know how to be silent. One of the best ways to negotiate any situation is to state your point and then let it sit. Silence makes people uncomfortable How many times have you found yourself wanting to fill the void of no conversation? But if you've made your point, then you sit back. And if it becomes a staring contest, it becomes a staring contest in your head. If you have to sing open the door or one, two, three ABC or whatever it is you have to do (laughs) not to say anything, don't because the person who speaks First, loses the advantage. I don't know where I learned that, but it was key. I mean, it it changed my whole style of negotiation because you have to be firm in why you're asking for what you're asking for, which goes back to building block one of the office politics playbook. Know your why. What is your purpose? What's your why? And you and I both learned from a mutual coach Once you know what your truth is, you align everything you do by what your truth is. And then if it doesn't align with what your truth is and what your why is, it's not for you. And so that job may not be for you. Here's the silver lining. If you do get sucked in more wins and more things that you can put that you have experienced on your resume when you find the new opportunity that you're going to have.
0: That's good. That's good. Well, Sheree, this has been a great conversation and I have kept you beyond your time now. (laughs) So we must wrap this up. So my very, very, very last question for you is if you could give any advice to your sister, older sister, younger sister, sister next door, whoever you would have her to be, what advice would you give her regarding networking or navigating the fields of corporate America?
1: My advice would be to know your why. My advice would be to breathe, to keep breathing. No matter what happens, just breathe. And to be your own private investigator. In terms, and what that means is getting the lay of the land. Politics is about position and power. And so if you know who has the power, whether it's given power because they have the title or power from the sheer energy and charisma of that person who is the broker of favors and deeds, know the lay of the land and then conduct yourself accordingly whether you want to align yourself with that power broker, whether you know how to steer clear of that power broker, because the way that they use their power might not be to your integrity and to your spirit, but just know the lay of the land sometimes. And I know in my youth, I got so excited in the doing and being out there and, you know, making friends of all of those things And didn't pay attention to the dynamics, didn't pay attention to who was on what. So it's really about knowing your why and getting the lay of the land and understanding where you are and if that is a place that you want to continue to be.
0: Well, there you have it. There you have it. Know your why, breathe, be your own PI, and know the lay of the land. Again, Sheree, thank you so much. I know I got a lot of value from this. So I certainly know that other women out there certainly will gain a lot, a lot, a lot of value from this conversation. And I'll definitely make sure that I put your bio and every way that they can contact you um, at the very end of this interview. So again, thank you so much.
1: You are so welcome. It was my pleasure. I hope it was helpful and someone gets something out of it. And always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Yes, and you as well. I probably should have told you all to get your pen, your paper, your notebook, and all of those things because the amount of gems that Sheree dropped on us of how we are to navigate the corporate arena, priceless, priceless the information. Like if we could have had this information early on, just imagine what a force we could have been. But now we have the information so that we can still make those changes and we can still put our best foot forward for what we want. So let me give you a little bit more information about Sheree because I'm pretty sure. You're going to be looking for her after this. Sheree Lewis is a certified meeting professional and certified technology specialist. She has been in the live events profession for most of her career. She has served as a sales consultant for event strategists, representing hotel brands, destination management organizations, and an audiovisual company. During her tenure with YMCA of the USA, Sheree switched hats to become the event strategist engaging with volunteer leaders and C-suite execs to produce various Y-movement-driven conferences and events. Most recently, Sheree scaled a startup division with Steelcase, helping clients reimagine a richer participant engagement experience through unique spatial design for business events. Sheree has recently launched the Office Politics Playbook, a training course for female professionals designed to help them navigate through the political pitfalls we all encounter at work, to the peace of thriving in your career. She also supports organizations with facilitation, strategic planning, and project management services through Sheree Lewis Consulting Group Incorporated. Sheree enjoys expanding her burgeoning culinary skills, volunteering with live event industry organizations, and cherishing her relationships with family and friends. And I will definitely leave in the show notes exactly where you can find Sheree at on these interweb streets. And of course, sis, as I say every time, there is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright, and never dim it for anyone. Until next time. Bye.